This is Industry Matters, powered by BGM, a post-acute healthcare podcast about community, connections, and belonging. BGM is a member service organization serving durable and home medical equipment providers and manufacturers. BGM also has communities for respiratory, complex rehab, women's health mastectomy, home accessibility, therapy, and orthotics and prosthetics professions. With BGM, you're part of something bigger. On today's episode of Industry Matters, we continue our series for our OPGA community. In this edition of Women Leaders in ONP, Ashley White, OPGA's ONP 2021 Woman of the Year and Director of Health Policy and Strategic Alliances for AOPA, talks with Leslie Sisson, owner of ONP Insight. They discuss the importance of thorough and timely documentation to ensure proper reimbursement, challenges with same and similar devices, tips for your business, and much more. Hello, I'm Ashley White, uh, AOPA's Director of Health Policy and Strategic Alliances and the 2021 ONP Woman of the Year. I'm so grateful to be able to be part of this awesome podcast. And um, Leslie Sisson is joining us today. Leslie, thank you so much for joining the Women Leaders in OMP podcast. I'm excited to have the opportunity to chat with you about all you're doing to help OMP businesses around the U.S. improve their operations. But first, I'd love for you to share a little of your story with our audience. How did you find your way to orthotics and prosthetics? So I guess it's a similar story to many of us, uh, like you, Ashley, that it's a, a family business, but mine was a little different. My dad was um, an executive with Sears and retired, but wasn't ready to retire. So he thought that he would buy a business and he actually bought Coker's Orthopedic Supply in Phoenix, Arizona. And Charlie Coker stayed on as the certified orthotist, uh, but my dad ran the business and then sold it a couple of years later to um, Certified Orthotics, which was owned by Frank Bostock and George Manningly and the Whiteside Brothers. Uh, And then that sold to Novacare, which then eventually sold to Hanger. So that started in 1991, that whole process. Um, And then just from there, worked for uh, Hanger for a while and then went out and worked for an independent company as director of administration in 2010 and then had the opportunity to start my consulting group, ONP Insight, in uh, 2016. Um, and then my husband and I uh, purchased Prosthetic Center of Excellence in Las Vegas that same year. And Now I am where I am, uh, co-owner of Prosthetic Center of Excellence and the founder of ONP Insight. It's an interesting uh, journey. And certainly, uh, I guess, owning your own business gives you a lot of uh, experience um, day to day that is very useful in your consulting work, I imagine. Uh, Would you say that's the case? Yes, definitely. Um, I live it every day uh, so I can relate to just about every aspect of an OMP practice because I started off as the fr- at the front desk and I've been a certified fitter, both mastectomy and orthotic, uh, worked with patients, have led teams, um, multiple clinics. Um, and now as an owner, I also have the responsibility of ownership and all that comes with that. Yeah. So I know you also have a tremendous amount of knowledge in the coding and reimbursement realm. Um, And I know that AOPA is thrilled to have you as a new member of its coding and reimbursement committee. 
Um, can I ask what motivated you to get involved in volunteer leadership with the organization? You know, I thought what a better way to serve the OMP community than by bringing my experiences and knowledge uh, to the coding and reimbursement committee. It, it took me a little bit to convince uh, Joe McTurnan of that, and I think he's happy with uh, with me being able to join. Um, because in the past, all the members have been certified uh, OMP providers, uh, clinicians, or medical doctors, and so I am the first non-certified clinician or medical doctor to be on the committee. And it's great to have that experience and knowledge from day-to-day -day billing and looking at uh, claims and denials and reimbursement that I am able to um, bring that, that experience. And so it's, it's been great uh, to, I've been able to join two meetings so far this year, and we have a lot to talk about for sure. Yeah, there, there is a lot of action going on in that committee right now, and uh, we're very thankful for your contributions for sure. Um, so you get to see so many different types of OMP businesses through your consulting work. Um, where do you see the biggest opportunities for improvements in the profession, particularly on the business side? Sure. I think that all of us in the OMP practices have a responsibility to preserve and protect revenue and reimbursement. And that, um, depending on your role within the practice and uh, the really the focus of business, I think number one needs to be defensible documentation because it not only preserves and protects reimbursement in the face of um, downstream appeals and audits, um, it also helps to ensure that our documentation lines up with the medical record of the doctor. And if we ever do need to defend it, either in uh, an administrative law judge hearing or in an appeal, or hopefully never in court, but if we need to defend it in court, that our documentation um, tells the true picture of that patient's experience with you and also uh, speaks to coverage criteria so that we can defend all of our coding um, choices and what type of a device we chose for that, uh, that patient or that client, as many people are now calling the people that we serve. So ensuring that documentation is, um, is timely and is effective and is thorough. Um, also understanding the intricacies of all of the administration that, and the documentation administratively that we have to do and ensuring that um, we understand the patient's coverage, that they are eligible for the services that we're providing, and that all of that is documented and uh, can help us get reimbursed for what we do. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that this is something that we've both experienced as an improvement over the past few years, right? Like there has been great progress in O&P businesses being able to, to do exactly what you just described. And um, and take ownership of that documentation collection and um, incorporate it into their their operations. Um, I I'm so thankful too that you're out there kind of working with companies to make sure that they're uh, reforming and improving those practices. But wouldn't you agree that we've come a long way and and um, have progressed in our ability to to do this part? Absolutely, and I think um, oftentimes when I get brought in, they might be bringing me in to look for one specific 
issue or helping with a very large audit um, and they're not sure really where to navigate. And then we look at, at that particular issue, but then we go back and we see what has happened through the uh, culmination of that claim or that delivery of care, um, that episode of care. And we can, we can look at what did you do well, what could be improved on. And it really reminds me, and, and actually when I was preparing for this, I looked, I went to go look for this quote and it's by um, Bishop Desmond Tutu. And it says, there comes a point where we need to stop just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. So why are people failing their audits? We need to go back upstream and look, you know, what's happening in your intake process and your work in progress process and your billing claim scrub and your reimbursement process and ensuring that all of those steps are the best that they can be so that you don't fall in the river mm -hmm. and, and that, that you need my help getting back up. The, the best compliment that I get is that people don't need me anymore. Yeah, that's that's a great compliment, right? You you like work yourself out of a job, and that's uh, that's the right way to do it. That means that you're doing a, a wonderful job. Um, I I think we've had these conversations either you know over a meal or just in passing or sitting you know sitting in the lounge at a conference and many many times. But I'm going to ask you if you could change one policy that's impacting OMP, what would it be? The first thing that came to mind is the one that I'm going to say that I'm going to answer you with. There are many, but I think that this is the one that's impacting us the most today on a daily basis. And that um, is the same and similar issue for orthoses. Um, so all orthoses, except for uh, knee orthoses, have a five-year reasonable useful life which means that if they receive a, if a Medicare beneficiary, and now a lot of this is going downstream to commercial payers and Medicare Advantage plans, and even um, pediatric claims, that if they've received, received a same or similar device in the last five years, that they cannot receive another one unless it's been lost, stolen, irreparably damaged by an event, or that they've had a significant change in condition that would warrant a new orthosis, which is often sometimes difficult to prove. If we can get to the ALJ level, we often win those on appeal. However, it, it is um, increasingly difficult for practices to navigate this and understand how to appeal these. And ultimately, it is um, limiting the access to care for Medicare beneficiaries and now um, all patients because of these types of denials. One thing that's nice with Medicare is we can look up claim history. With my CGS, we look up claim history with the Noridian Medicare portal. We can look up um, same and similar devices. Is So they call them a little bit differently, a little different, but they um, it's basically the same thing. But with commercial payers and Medicare Advantage plans, they don't have this on their website. We can't look these up. So we're going in blind if we don't know that uh, that they've had a same or similar. And also the categories are way too um, wide. Mm -hmm. And by that, Ashley, I mean like a patient could get a, a um, off-the-shelf ankle gauntlet for an ankle sprain, and then a year later they fracture their femur and they need a custom KFO. In Medicare's eyes, those are same and similar devices. Absolutely. We, we recognize this issue and um, have been 
working for many years with our you know counterparts um, at the DME Max and CMS and. Um, I think, you know, we're at a place now where we have to look at the statute in which this uh, this this rule lives and and really start to think about what our legislative approach might need to be in order to tackle it. So it's a really uh, it's we know how impactful this is um, to the administrative burden on our OMP providers and access uh, challenges it creates for our patients. Um, it's just not good health care. Correct. I completely agree. Um, and I would sign up for that to be a policy I'd love to see changed. Um, and so uh, so my marching orders are given, right? <laughs> I can help in any way you let me know. But yeah, I, I actually put in my notes, it may take an act of Congress and you and I both know it, it, it very well may. That's right. That's absolutely right. Um, so I feel like I'm asking you to give away some of your special sauce here, but if you could give a piece of advice, like what's the one piece of advice you'd like to share with business owners out in the OMP community? Uh, there, there's probably a lot, and I would love to sit down with, with business owners and have a few hours and talk about um, what I see as a business owner and then also what I see as a consultant and how they can do the very best that they can for their business. And but you were gracious enough to give me these questions ahead of time. So I appreciate that. So my answer is um, hire good people, train them well, trust them, but verify. Um, People don't respect what you expect unless you inspect. So I am not a micromanager at all, probably um, to a fault. I'm not. Uh, So I do uh, provide good training, um, not only for my staff, but also for clients, uh, and really invest um, in their growth and maturity. But you still need to verify. You still need to run reports. I can't tell you how many times I've gone into businesses and um, the business owner is a great clinician and they do a wonderful job taking care of their patients, but they have no idea what the reports say. They don't know what their AR looks like and or their material costs, things like that. So it, it certainly is, is important to invest in good people and train them well, but you have to um, verify what's going on in your business. Leslie, I, it's such a pleasure to have been able to have this conversation with you today. And um, I am always in awe of the work you're doing and so thankful um, that you're out there for, for members of the OMP community. Um, is there anything else you want to share before we end the podcast? I just think it's important that we break down silos in our practices and not have the administrative team um, working separately from the clinical team and the, the technical team working separately. But it takes all of us in a collaborative effort to um, take care of our patients and to, like I started off the conversation, to uh, protect revenue and reimbursement. Um, we need to get uh, paid for what we do, and we need to take really good uh, care of one another and our patients. Um, but if we're not getting paid for what we do, we're not going to stay in business for very long. So we need to ensure that everyone does their part to protect that reimbursement for our practices. Well, thank you so much, Leslie, and thank you to OPGA and VGM for uh, letting us do this podcast. Um, Have a wonderful day, everyone.
Thank you. Thanks, Ashley, so much. And thank you to VGM and OPGA. I appreciate the opportunity. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Industry Matters. Make sure you never miss an episode by visiting vgm.com slash industry matters podcast or following Industry Matters on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher.